1: What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky LeBlue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my bosses and cohorts here at TSL, Will Stewart and Chris Coleman. And folks, if you listened to last week's podcast, I told you that we were going to have a special guest for this week, and we did not disappoint. This is an extremely special guest. This is the first time we've brought in any special guest for the podcast. He doesn't really need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He was a play-by-play announcer here at, for Tech football and basketball for 27 years. Uh, he was the sports caster of the Year in the state of Virginia 11 times and was a 2013 inductee into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame.
2: The one and the only Bill Roth is here in the studio with us. Bill, how are we doing? I'm well. It's great to be with you guys. I was very impressed walking in with the waterfall outside and the TSL (laughs) ice statue in the lobby and the open bar. Yeah, we
1: have the nicest office probably in media ever. Isn't that right, Will?
3: Yeah, just what's starting to bug me about the office, though, is that the piano player that we have all day, he's starting to want to raise. So that's (laughs) it. There's only so
2: many times you can hear tiny bubbles, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Chris, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. It is about to get cold here in the NRV, fellas. I don't know if you guys have looked at the weather at all lately, but I think the wind chill in the next few days is supposed to get down to the next single digits and, and below 20. So if you're listening out there and you live in the NRV, definitely stay warm. But obviously, let's go ahead and talk about Bill's impact here at Tech. Bill was here for 27 years, obviously saw dozens and dozens of historic Virginia Tech moments, Uh, But I want to start in 2015 when you decided to go to UCLA. Obviously, that was a a big decision for you, and it was a big decision that affected really everyone around the Virginia Tech program. Uh, What was really your motivating factor for making that decision? I know it was kind of moving home for you, and you had some familiarity with the area, but what was that decision like?
2: Well, we could spend an hour talking about it, but I'll do it in less than 10 (laughs) seconds. You know, the... It's a great program. It's the winningest program in sports. And uh, they've only had a handful of broadcasters over the years there. And I had the opportunity to go out and talk with them and meet their people and their coaches and their administrators. And I had family out there, and uh, it was a lot of money. And I thought, well, if I was ever going to leave Virginia Tech, where would I go? Because I really wasn't looking to leave. But if I ever did, hypothetically, it would have to be one of those iconic places. And that that was kind of uh, the bottom line there. What What is UCLA like?
1: I mean, a lot of people look at, you know, USC and UCLA, and they think glitz and glamour, and, you know, it's
2: it's Los Angeles, it's California. Well, what is that program really like? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that at both schools. First of all, both of those schools are really incredible academic institutions. SC is a private school. UCLA's is a public school. But they've got amazing Research. They've got great medical schools. They've got great law schools. If you walked across the UCLA campus, I assure you, everyone listening, you would know the person that every building is named after. There's so many amazing alums. And if you walk through their Hall of Fame, you may not know a whole lot about UCLA soccer or track and field program or swimming program, but you would know they're great athletes uh, because they're all Olympians or they've all become television stars or they've all become governors. <laughs> so you, you'd know every name in, in, in that campus. Uh, there is a lot of glitz and glamour. Uh, some of it's stereotypical that you see on TV, but a lot of it's legit as well. So uh, it's a combination of uh, of a lot of things. But there, it's a great school. It's an amazing school with uh, a tremendous tradition athletically. I know that he really came to prominence in the
1: last year before, obviously after you left. But I have to ask: Did you ever get to meet the one and only LeVar Ball?
2: Did not meet Ball or his or his kids. Uh, they they. Had, committed to uh, ucla while i was there and i'd heard about them yeah Uh, but you know what the rest of the country looks at lavar ball and and that whole circus and thinks that's so dysfunctional and that's crazy but that happens all the time in los (laughs) angeles that's kind of the crazy (laughs) kind of par for the course yeah like the first week or two i was out there or one of our players one of ucla's players uh parents came in and pick up something in the weight room and started beating the heck out of the can I say crap on a t- podcast? Yeah, yes. yeah, Started beating the crap out of Coach Alosi, the strength coach, and it was Diddy. You know? Diddy <laughs> came in and, and and they arrested him, and it was. I think I remember that. Actually. So, you know, I think that one of the things that's different is you have TMZ and Hollywood Reporter and Variety and, and those media outlets covering your team, whereas I think for the rest of the country, the rest of the world, sports is covered by by sports people, but. At SC and UCLA, there's there's an entertainment aspect to it, and, and players are in the news, and there's a lot of photographers and, and a lot of media all over the place covering the personal lives of all of your players and your alums and fans and that kind of thing. People always talk about Justin Fuente leaving. Is he going to leave for Florida State? Is he going to leave for wherever?
1: Well, you know he's not going to leave it, for UCLA. He's super, <laughs> he's
0: super concerned about fit, and uh, you know, he, he wouldn't be the guy... That would be a good fit for a place like UCLA, in my opinion.
1: Oh, I I think I would totally. It, t- agree it takes with a that. certain
0: kind of coach to be able to coach at a place like that. I
1: believe. Oh, definitely. I mean, obviously, I know you were only there for a year, but what were some of your favorite moments of being at UCLA? Obviously, it's a rich tradition in terms of academics and athletics, and a lot went on. But what was really kind of your favorite moment there?
2: Well, selfishly, getting to broadcast games at Poly Pavilion and the Rose Bowl. Oh, I, yeah, great facilities. They just ooze tradition. Uh, that was exciting. Getting to to know Coach Moore and Coach Alford really well, and and Steve's kids and and his whole family, good family. Uh, getting to know Josh Rose in a little bit, and, and his family, uh, and so that kind of thing. You know, for me, same as Tech. My my great memories. You guys have heard me say this before. It's the relationships getting to yeah. know people and then tell their stories. That's what I like the most. And There's a lot of good people out there. Is Josh Rosen a first-round pick in the NFL? Well, I'm not an NFL scout, so I don't
0: know. <laughs> I, I would think so. He's,
2: he's pretty brilliant,
0: right? Yeah. Like his, IQ, his IQ is extremely high. I mean, I would expect a very high wonderlick score from him.
2: Yeah, I don't think Josh wants to play for the New York Giants. He wants to own the New York Giants. I mean, I think he understands <laughs> that as much money as you make as a player in the NFL, you make a lot more as an owner. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you, obviously,
1: you were only there at UCLA for one year, and then you decided to come back to Blacksburg, and you got into teaching, and you obviously did a lot of stuff with ESPN, but what was really kind of the deciding thing for you where you decided, you know, I want to get back to Blacksburg, I want to get back to the NRB, I want to get around Virginia
2: Tech? Well, first of all, just like Chris said, UCLA is great, and it may be the best job in the country, but it wasn't the best job for me, it just wasn't a good fit in a lot of different areas and I had talked with Dr. Sands when I was back a couple times and I had stayed in touch with everyone here and we had started an internship program through IMG five years ago and so yeah. it had been really successful and, and Dr. Denton and the COM program and and all those people had always talked about launching a sports media and analytics program here at Virginia Tech and so they said would you like to come back and do that and before I did that I, I kind of put my toe in the water with the with the tv people if i'm available would you use me and i got a very positive response and so i said all right let's move back east and it was uh great to come back it's this is where my closest friends are and uh it's it's fun to be back home what's it like being a
1: a college professor (laughs) it's obviously a new experience for you it's more coaching
2: for me, really, yeah, I I, I approach it more like uh, Coach Fuente or Beamer or Buzz or Seth or any of the basketball coaches we've had. Uh, I have a quote unquote practice plan on a, on a card, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's more of a mentor role. and And I say that for two reasons. Number one, I'm not an academician, so I never took classes. I, they gave me uh, some crash courses once I got back, <laughs> hours and hours and hours of, of how to be an academician and, and go through those type of things, but. It, but you know there's so many amazing professors at Tech that have multiple doctoral degrees and uh, (laughs) I don't so uh, I really respect those people that are really dedicated career academicians because uh, they do a great job at Tech. We've got an amazing faculty at Virginia Tech. We've got good coaches and everyone knows their names and we've got great administrators and you know them as well but there are people that have been at Tech for 30 years on the academic side that are really dedicated to this school. And you and you know some of their names, but but there's some really cool people here you, at Tech. You could even tie in athletics and, and academics. I mean, a guy like Quentin Nottingham, who played
0: basketball at Virginia Tech, has basically been a professor at Tech for what the last 25 years. He's a years Tenured professor
2: so. of yeah. statistics at Tech, and, and still very much engaged with men's hoops as well.
0: Yeah, he's always down there on the, on the tables, like right there where the press he, he used to sit. Yeah, uh, yeah, in his front row seat.
1: What are what, what classes have you really been specializing in? And I know that you obviously mentioned the sports media analytics kind of brand that you guys are pushing but what are some of the classes that you've been teaching and what are some of the things that
2: you've been trying to instill in the students here well you know what's so cool about tech and the Hokies community and Virginia in general sports are important to us and it's a big part of the culture at tech and in our community and we never had a program here at tech that tied communications or journalism into sports and over the last three or four years more and more schools started getting into this Oklahoma State Alabama Michigan State Arizona State because in the past, everyone had already, or for the most part, I should say, at least surrendered or, or acquiesced to Syracuse and Northwestern and Fordham. They were the J yeah. schools. They were the comm schools. But more of these state public schools got involved with it. And then what we started to see happen was they would hire professors of practice. And so Arizona State hired a terrific journalist from the Phoenix newspaper. And uh, as you go through some of these other schools, J.A. Adonde uh, left ESPN and went to Northwestern. And... And so the new thing now is you bring in someone that can teach kids during the week, be in the classroom Monday through Thursday or Friday, and then do games on the weekend and be on the air. And that appealed to me. That way I could still do games, still be involved in collegiate athletics, but but help mentor kids. and. and work on developing something really cool here at Tech from scratch and and that's been really cool it's like coaching an expansion team or being the GM of an expansion team really as you develop and meet and what classes should we have and what are other schools doing and there's some really good collegiality there's really good cooperation between schools because we're not really recruiting against a kid who would go to Oklahoma State or yeah. Arizona State for the most part and so now if you're a high school student in Virginia that wants to get into journalism or wants to get into broadcasting Whatever behind the scenes, you don't have to go out of state. You can come to Tech.
3: I mean, so I, so let me let know, me jump in here and ask: with the ACC network coming online soon, and with the facilities that every ACC school is having to build to support that, how do you see that uh, meshing with what you're doing? Huge a, opportunity for our kids. Yeah. Huge opportunity:
2: studio in front of and behind cameras, and to be involved. Great opportunity here, and we're we're poised to have an academic program in place. So you just can't throw millions of dollars at studios and and expect kids to come. We've got the academic. We're working on getting the academic stuff in line. You know, Syracuse and Miami are ahead of us because they've been doing it for 30 years. So they've already got the program in place. Uh, We're getting there now. We'll have a, a sports media and analytics concentration. It's on the books now. That'll eventually be a minor. Uh, but we've got seven classes, so 21 credit hours specifically dev- devoted to sports and sports media. We've had some great guest speakers, as you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would, uh,
0: how does this program maybe compare to the program you were in when you were in college at Syracuse? We're copying it. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's not a that bad idea, sense. obviously. We're
2: copying it at a fifth of the price. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, the tuition is much lower here, uh, particularly for an in-state student. What, what some of these schools have, what a Fordham has over us at the moment in Syracuse, is just the tradition and that alumni base. I mean, what's been really cool is how many tech alums that are out there have reached back. Can I come help? Can I speak? Can I donate money? What can I do to help these kids? Can I mentor kids? Uh, all over, all over the state. For example, there are several media professionals, say, in the Richmond market, who are involved with uh, – pro teams and some nonprofit sports organizations in Richmond too that are Hokies. And they've never had kids from tech that they could give internships to. Well, now we've got that set up and we've worked really hard last year, guys. We had six Virginia tech students broadcasting minor league or wood league baseball games. from Green Bay to Martinsville. I know a lot of those kids. Yeah. And we, we had more kids broadcasting baseball last summer than Syracuse did. And, and I take great pride in that because they've got, as I mentioned, a, decades had started on us and hopefully we'll do that again this summer as well
1: people need to understand exactly how much change and how much improvement has been made in the virginia tech Comm department since bill's there and i'm not trying to toot your horn here but look i'm a graduate of the virginia tech Comm department i went there i was there for three years i transferred in from the community college um to just from my look on it now because i've you know i still am around the the tech Comm department a little bit obviously i know bill um it's infinitely better. The amount of opportunities in terms of internships and outside classroom experience, the credibility of the of the professors inside the classroom is improved now, and you're starting to see, like Bill mentioned, a a bigger concentration on sports inside the tech comm department, and that's something that did not exist when I was there. I can I can I can
2: vouch for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I was in school from 2002 to 2005. I, I helped with a TV show I was on a TV show at VTTV. yeah uh, you know we, we called Sports Authority and uh, I forget the name of our other show but uh, and and all my friends were com majors and I just don't I don't get the feel that they got quite the leadership that that department is providing now
1: Oh yeah I mean look I, I, my experience really was only w- with the Collegiate Times that was my thing I was the editor-in-chief I ran the paper for over a year and if I didn't do that, my classroom experience then would not have been enough to get me into a professional job as a full-time writer. Now, with the way that the the, the department is headed under Bill's direction, it looks like that that's no longer going to be the case and you you will be able to really
0: rely and and fall back on a lot of the stuff that you learned in the classroom. People that graduate from Tech now out of the comm department or out of the journalism, you know, uh. Like Corey Van Dyke, yeah, who, who writes, writes for, for us, covering yeah. baseball. You know, he's going to have work experience when he graduates. I mean, he had work experience in his freshman year writing for us. Yeah, and as Bill mentioned, all these kids uh, calling minor league baseball games and, and summer league games uh, uh, when they're off over the summer—that's that's working experience that that people from Virginia Tech just weren't weren't getting back in the day.
1: And part of all of creating this this better culture in terms of the Virginia Tech com department has been creating the National Sports Media Association chapter at Virginia Tech. It's a national organization. It's it's very well known amongst journalists. But there was never a chapter at Virginia Tech, obviously. And you have really spearheaded the creation of that chapter. Walk us through that process and, and how you've kind of gotten that started.
2: Well, I think it's really important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gives our kids a chance to schmooze, associate, network, whichever verb you want to use there with professionals in the business, and that means bringing them in to speak. So we've had David Teal and Andy Bitter and uh, uh, writers from all over the state. You guys, I think, Ricky spoke uh, yeah. t- to, to the group. Let's them get around professionals here and at the annual banquet in Winston-Salem. And secondly, it gives them an opportunity to go out and, and work professionally, not just get an internship I'm talking about, but work professionally while they're still in college. And and so now. That is, now that is expected of a Virginia Tech student. So you have a, a young lady like Brooke Leonard. She's still a student at Virginia Tech. She's on the air on Fox in Roanoke. You've got a student like Chase Parker, who's a student at Tech, but on the air at Channel 10 in Roanoke. Um, there's others. Jordan Hutchison is a student at Tech in our class, writing for the Virginian Pilot. I'm not talking about internships. I'm talking about yeah. they're getting paid yeah. as professionals before they graduate. and And I'm convinced that that's the best thing because sitting in a class with me talking or any professor talking, first of all it would get incredibly boring. but <laughs> but, but, but more than that, you don't learn how to write or broadcast in a, class or, a textbook. Yeah. You got to go out and do it. and, and so that's what we did. And, and for, for the final group for these kids, their finals are, are due here this week. their final project is go tell me a story. That's it. I didn't assign a story. they've got to go out with a camera or a digital audio recorder. And go interview someone and come up with a story. And some of the submissions have been great so far. I'm learning an awful lot, and and there's stories everywhere. And and that's what they're that's what they're getting out of this.
3: So I'm guessing the last piece of the puzzle you need is for some rich folks to come by and drop some endowed scholarships on <laughs> on your department.
2: Yeah, the NAB convention in Vegas. There's going to be some equipment we'd like to buy. I'd like to trick out the studio. Uh, you know, the one thing that Syracuse has on us is money. And so I was up there for a, an event last month. And by the way, the Syracuse people have been great. They've been so helpful to me, uh, giving advice, and whenever I have a question, they write back uh, or call back right away, um, and, and we're going to do the same thing. If we get this thing going and another school comes up and says, how did you do that? We'll, you know, we're not competing with other schools uh, in this. We, we want to turn out great journalists and great broadcasters. Uh, I want kids to come here. I've spent a lot of time in D.C. and in Richmond. I want to say recruiting, but that's that's a, that's a an insult to our coaches. But, but meeting with parents and, and why their kids should come here and, and getting to know them. So I guess it is recruiting. Uh, getting to know parents. We're going to care about your kid here. Here's what we're going to do. I know we don't have 25 people broadcasting NBA and Major League Baseball like some other schools have, but if you come to Virginia Tech, here's what your opportunity is going to be. Here's what we're doing in the classroom, and here are the extracurricular acti- activities for kids. You guys,
1: uh, the, the, that studio you're talking about wanting to trick out that studio, it's already pretty nice. I mean, I, I was in there for, for three years. For, for those who aren't familiar with that really state-of-the-art TV studio in the Moss Arts Center on the on the campus, walk us through what's all in there. Well, the Moss Arts lot. Center
2: was built in 2013, and, and everyone, I think, is familiar with the auditorium and what's in there. But the television studio is a completely digital... Um switcher. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this to folks who aren't familiar with it. It's a digital (laughs) studio. If you sat in the control room at the Moss Arts Center for the studio we have, it's the same exact view that you would get if you were sitting at Fox News or CNN or ESPN. It's completely digital. Uh, It's remarkable. What we need, what we don't have though, is the set, the video walls. Yeah. the, The real nice, that stuff's really expensive by the way. So Will is right. And I'll be looking forward to your donation <laughs> as an alumnus before the That's what happens when you speak out, Will. You know,
3: I already have one kid in college, and, and three years from now, I'm going to have three kids in college.
2: And they deserve, if you really love them, Will, <laughs> <laughs> they, they deserve a, a Fox News or CNN-esque set. All right. Bill, I,
1: I like how you mentioned that the, the important part of this is getting people experience outside the classroom. Because for me and I know Will can attest to this because he hired me, if I didn't have my experience at the CT covering Virginia Tech football for two years, I wouldn't have gotten my job, isn't that right? You wouldn't have just hired me because of my classroom experience.
3: I mean, that, that's that's correct. That experience was important to us, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean, th- that experience is vital. I mean, obviously I, I worked at, for Scout.com covering a minor league baseball team, but getting that experience outside the classroom is vital for these kids, and if they don't get it,
0: they're not going to be prepared to get a job out of college. You're right, Ricky, and and, and you know, I would if I had known you personally from yeah. going to interviews and things like that, I, I might not have ever thought about. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, you uh, know what we did
2: last year. And we're going to do it again in the spring when we relaunch the performance class. Is uh, we do a mock press conference. Oh, those are so fun. And we brought we Billy Hyde in, <laughs> and <laughs> but that was and, great. and I coached Hyde up, and and the idea here was to be, I want a contentious coach. I want, I want you to be mad. So I asked Coach Hyde. I said, what's the worst loss you ever had that you were really the most PO'd about afterwards? Now, wait a
3: minute. Don't answer. Um, Think what it was. Well, it could have been Boston College 2007. That's it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was mad about it.
2: You know, he coached special teams. He's he, – you know, he said, we practiced that onside kick recover thing, and Josh Morgan in four years never missed a f- kickoff. <laughs> you know, we
0: interviewed uh, Jim Cavanaugh a couple summers ago, and we asked him about worst losses of his career, and that was one of the first ones he, he brought up. It was about that onside kick.
2: Yeah, and I thought he might have mentioned uh, the, the McNabb game at Syracuse. Oh, he or, did. Uh, he did, because, because yeah, yeah. But they just felt like they were better than B.C., and, and we were, because, you know, we went back and played them several weeks later in Florida and won the ACC championship. So, anyway, what we do is, is I get Coach Height in a hat, and I get him in a, in a pullover, and I say, you got to be really PO'd. Be mad when you walk in there. So we set the room up, and Coach walks in, and he's, and he treats those people just as horrible as any coach would ever treat <laughs> a group of media. Because, and, and here's the reason. Here's the reason I think you guys would understand this. If you graduate from Virginia Tech in May of 2018, and you get a job in television, you're probably not going to get it in D.C., or New York. You're going to get it in a tiny town in Mississippi or a tiny town in Alabama. And, and, and so that means two months after you start, you're going to be interviewing an SEC football coach at a press conference. And, and how do we have a 21-year-old Virginia Tech graduate in a presser with Nick Saban? How is she or he not intimidated? How do they go into that room and ask legit questions and not just totally fold if, if Coach Saban jumps your ass? It's hard. It's hard for experienced journalists. But you've got to do it. And you've got to be able to understand issues. So if you're in a tiny town in Mississippi and, and you've got to interview someone at Ole Miss about this probation that's going down, <laughs> you're going to have to ask some legit questions. Yeah, You can't just say, how's the quarterback? Going questions that people don't want to answer. Well, uh, what if you get a
0: Mike Gundy-esque response? Oh, I'm yeah. a man. I'm 40.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because – Two weeks ago, we played for the class. I played for the class, Jimbo Fisher's Presser, after the Florida-Florida State game. And one of the reporters, Safid, from the Orlando paper, asked him, was this your last Florida-Florida State game? And Jimbo wouldn't answer. Of course. And he turned it. He said, that's fake news. You guys are just making this up. It's all clickbait. (laughs) There's nothing to it. You guys need readership. And Jimbo challenged the media in the room that there was nothing to this Texas A&M thing. And Safid let Jimbo do his rant and then followed up. Okay, was this your last Florida State-Florida game? And Jimbo got mad. And, and yesterday uh, we had Safed FaceTime into the class, and he walked through the whole thing about he wasn't sure Jimbo was gone, but but he felt pretty good about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he, he didn't know how many more media opportunities there would be with Fisher. And he just kept on it. And that, that was his message to the class, that – that even though he felt like he had a really good relationship with Coach Fisher, he'd been covering the Knolls for several years, both at the Tallahassee paper and now with Orlando, but he felt like, you know what, the fans deserve to no. know. And then, of course, there was an incident at Coach Fisher's radio show where one yep. of the producers pushed a Florida State fan. Um, and then Jimbo never even told his team that he was leaving. I think everyone saw the Francois. Team. Yeah, exactly. And, and and so I wanted to get, I wanted to get the. Safid's take on it because sometimes there is, a lot of times, there is a confrontational relationship between the media and a coach. But at Florida State in the last two weeks, the fans were on the media's side, which was really unique. But regardless of of what side the fan is on, I don't want our our kids to to walk into a presser in six months and be totally intimidated and freaked out because they don't think they deserve to be there.
1: Another coach here that that people need to be able to handle after – certain games would be head coach Buzz Williams. He is well-known for, for, for uh, definitely be taking some 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 issue with some questions. You've kind of hit on this kind of throughout the podcast, but um, what's the kind of the greater goals for the Tech Comm Department? Where do you see this department in five years from now, 10 years from now, maybe even 15 years from now?
2: I want our fans to be just as proud of our Comm Department as they are as our fo- our, of the football team. And I want people to look at Virginia Tech and and say yeah tech's got a great business program in pamplin and tech's got a great engineering program but i want them to be able to look at the sports media and analytics program and say the same thing how do you get there obviously we will mention the the nice fat
1: check for the studio that he's going to donate get kids to
2: come here it's about the kids who come here I, i've got a we institutionally have to do a great job of getting kids that may not have come here in the past come here to take these classes and to get involved and to get the reputation that whether it's tech sideline or the Roanoke Times or the Post that a Virginia Tech comm student would make a great intern. We don't we don't have to get the kid from Medill at Northwestern to come. We can get someone right here from Virginia Tech. He went to a Fairfax County public school or Henrico or Chesterfield or Montgomery County here in the NRV. Those kids are trained well enough to come in and work at the Post or the Times dispatch or or NBC. We've got get this. We've got two kids, two kids going to NBC uh, going to uh, the Olympics in Korea. To work for NBC. Um, I'm really proud of them, Harvey and Umberto, and they're going to be filing reports, so to speak, for us, but they'll be working for NBC, and I want people to know that. If you come to Tech, there are opportunities right now, right now, if you're interested. If anyone you know is interested in a career in journalism, we've got a spot for them at Virginia Tech, and we've got some really exciting opportunities for them while they're undergraduates.
1: Well, look, I'll tell you what, folks, if you're listening. Thank you for the commercial. <laughs> well, look, I, I was, like I said, I'm a graduate of the Tech Comm Department. Uh, personally, I want the Comm Department to succeed. I want to do everything I can for it. If you are, are, have any relation to Tech Comm or you're a Tech grad or you just want to talk to Bill and see how you can help, definitely reach out to Bill because you would certainly be interested in figuring out a way that you can contribute to getting the Comm Department to where he wants it to be.
0: And a better Virginia Tech Comm Department. Uh, means better Virginia Tech football and basketball coverage in the coming years when the ACC network really gets started. Well, it also yeah.
2: helps recruiting. You know, every week I have a break- I go to breakfast over at the inn with a, with a recruit or two that want to study this. Mm-hmm. And we've got six student-athletes in our program right now, several football players. Um, when I was at I- it, there were way
1: more student-athletes. And hopefully you can continue that because it's a good route for these people to I go I think into. it's
2: awesome. I think it's great when I see, you know, Andrew Matua-Pawaka walking around with a tripod and a camera looking for a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's great. A lot of kids want to get into broadcasting. When, a lot of athletes want to get into broadcasting when they're done. Trey uh,
1: Edmonds was one that I had class with. Mm-hmm. I, Trey and I were good yeah, friends. Yeah. And, and Trey loved the comp department. He, he loved those classes.
0: Ricky, I know you don't remember this. Will, I know you do. Uh, Bill, you might. There was a guy out of Richmond, a defensive tackle named Bud Tribby. Uh, that Virginia Tech wanted and he went to Syracuse because of their com department and this is when Virginia Tech was in the top 10 every year and Syracuse was not a very good football wow. program but we lost him to Syracuse because he wanted to be a part of just of, the academic department yeah and as it turned out you know he got accepted to the school but I don't think the comm department actually accepted him
1: oh so he was just there as a general he, student yeah man. All right, I think we've hit on that. Is there anything else that you wanted to to, to say about the common department? I'm good. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Definitely. I I, I want to get your thoughts on some of the major figureheads here at Tech. Obviously, you worked with some of them, or you worked with all of them. Uh, Let's start with Buzz Williams. He's been pretty incredibly successful so far in his his first few years, made the NCAA tournament last year. Your experience with Buzz, working with him, uh, watching him from afar, watching him up close, just what, what what kind of person is he that you see that maybe people don't see off camera?
2: Well, I love him. He's incredibly intense. He's fiercely loyal to his ex players and current players and staff. He's the perfect fit right now for Tech. He's exactly what we need. I would love, I would love to see Buzz Williams coach with two legit six nine guys. <laughs> I would love. To. Yeah. I, I think he would like that too. As <laughs> would Buzz. Yeah, I, 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 you know, he's been. He's been so close in his career with some really good basketball teams. Uh, and I think he's got one here at Tech now, but at Marquette too. I mean, they, they had Sweet 16 teams that if they had a couple of fours or just any type of, of legit big guy like they had on the wings there, they, they're a final four national championship team at Marquette. And so we'll see what, what, what he can do here at Tech with this year's team. Um, the only criticism, this isn't even a criticism, I wish we played better teams early this this has been really cool to be 9-1 at this point, but uh, this game Saturday at Lexington, I'm really excited about. I'm Chris, really excited. I want to see us play real people.
1: Chris, earlier in the office, before we started recording this, you were running a lot of RPI numbers in terms of figuring out if you take teams away from the schedule, how it affects the RPI, and if you
0: add teams on the schedule, how it affects the
1: RPI. What were you looking at earlier this morning to tell the, to tell the listeners?
0: Well, I don't know if your average fan knows this, but Division two teams do not count towards the RPI at all. So you can actually take a Division one team off your schedule and add a Division two team. And your RPI and that, gets better. That, yeah, the RPI gets better. So if you take off Maryland Eastern Shore, who I think is in the 320s out of 351 teams in the RPI, Virginia Tech's expected RPI this year, projected RPI on RPI forecast, jumps up from forty six to 39th, and their strength of schedule goes up from 58th to 41st. Now, we're talking, that's the difference between, you know, being a 9 seed and being uh, a against seed. Wisconsin, uh, you know, or maybe being a 7 seed or something, yeah. something like that. So, you know, that can make a difference uh, when it comes uh, to the postseason. And Buzz is such an analytical guy. Uh, I was talking to someone uh who knows buzz after the game on Sunday and said buzz studies every analytical statistic you could possibly oh yeah think of um and 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 a lot that you've never heard of but which that means it really makes no sense his scheduling is is like an old school head coach how how you would expect somebody who's been coaching since the 70s to schedule with regards to not scheduling a division two team and not not that every team schedules a division two team because they don't but you know, it would be beneficial for Tech to take off one of these teams that's worse than 300 than the RPI and replace them with a Division II team. You don't want to do that multiple times, but one game a year could significantly help Virginia Tech's computer yeah. po- computer rankings at the end of the season. It's a
2: it's a Rubik's cube. I did I've done two lane games this year on TV, and I've talked with Coach Dunleavy, who's in his second year. He was in the NBA forever. I mean, he's got an amazing career. He's about 18 years in the NBA as a coach. And he said, I can't figure out the RPI. I don't know how to schedule. I don't know who to schedule. Tulane won six games all of last year. They're way better this year. They're in a good league. He thinks he can get a, a winner. And we remember how good Tulane can be in basketball just from being Hokies. He said, I can't figure out the RPI. And, and some schools have to schedule to pack their arenas. Some schools have to schedule, like Maryland Eastern Shore, you play all these buy games to make money. And others schedule in a combination of both. And I think that's where tech is. You you want to get enough. You want to have enough home games, so you can sell season tickets and make money and, and and have a good record. But you don't want to get it to the point where, what happened when Coach Greenberg was here several times, where we'd win twenty games, finish in the top five or six of the ACC, and 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 go to the NIT. Yeah. And, and so every school has a different. Metric or different Rubik's cube to figure out. That's where I always disagreed with Seth Greenberg with his
0: scheduling philosophy. He always wanted to go play in Madison Square Garden, <clears throat> made for television games, is what he would call them uh, in, in interviews and on Tech Talk Live and things like that. And I'm and I'm I was thinking, you know what's a made for television game? The NCAA tournament. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: he's he's trying to 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 build the brand of the program. Will you be, build the brand by, by making, making the, the NCAA tournament? tournament not by playing in Madison Square Garden on November 22nd. And losing by right. 10 or 15. Well, actually, Tech won most of those games. Oh, well, they go. they <laughs> would go up there and win tournaments and beat St. John's. I think we beat St. John's two years in a row at one point in
2: Madison Square Garden. <laughs> we won that uh, the St. John's holiday tournament two years in a row, and then they would invite us back yeah, on the third. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Goodness. I, I, I want to get your opinion on on Justin Fuente. Obviously, I, I know that you you know didn't work with him, but how have you gotten to know, you know, Coach at all? And since you've been back, and and what's kind of that relationship
2: like? Well, it's basically just at these recruiting breakfasts and in social settings. <laughs> uh, I've, I've not obviously hosted his shows or, or, yeah. or work with him. I love him. I think kind of like Coach Beamer. He, he was he was the perfect fit to replace Frank. And you know, there was all those schools at the same time made coaching changes, and so what was it, what? Syracuse and Maryland and Virginia and Virginia Tech South and South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, all hired coaches as, at, as, at the same
3: time. As yeah. high level as all the coaching changes have been this year, I read an article I think just yesterday, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there were, there were actually fewer coaching changes this year than last year and a fair amount fewer than two years ago when Tech hired Fuente.
2: Yeah, and you knew – well, not they're not all going to win. Not everyone – It's floor, not possible. What, yeah, they play each other and, and whatnot. And – I said at the time I thought that Fuente would be the most successful of that group long-term. And that doesn't mean that Dino Babers doesn't win and go somewhere else from Syracuse, and who knows what, what he could do. Uh, he, they haven't won a lot of games, but I think a lot of people look at what he's done. They beat Clemson this year, and, Syrac- and Syracuse beat the Hokies two years ago. Um, the Flor- Florida's already made a change. Yeah. <laughs> um, Georgia is – George is Georgia's just fine point. right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Coach Smart's done well. And I, and I think and Miami was the other school that came That's made right. a coaching change right. the year with Rick. Did, so. uh,
3: did Iowa State hire Matt Campbell same that year? Same, year? same year? I, I think what
2: he's doing at Iowa State is. Is, is. In fact, I've got their game. I'm doing the Liberty Bowl in a couple of weeks. And, and Matt Matt's a very wealthy guy now, too. Iowa State is up the ante. This was a good year for coaches, even those who stayed at their jobs, yeah. uh, <laughs> thanks to the, the current landscape.
1: Witt Babcock, you obviously worked with Wit. I I'm pretty sure you have a, a you know Wit, you know, mm-hmm. relatively well. What's Wit like? I mean, the, 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 obviously people that don't cover the team, people that aren't around the athletic department, that aren't around the administration, they don't get to see Wit on a regular basis. They don't know what he's like off camera. They don't
2: know what he's like when you're just shooting the breeze. So what is Wit like? Boy, this is going to sound repetitive, but but a great fit for Virginia Tech. You know, when this this Texas job has been open for a while, and it just they just hired uh, Chris Del Conte from from TCU, TCU to go over there, and, and I thought, you know what? If I'm Texas, the first person I'm going to call is, is Witt. I, I I think he's a star, and he he gets it. He gets television. He gets how to hire coaches. He gets how to treat people. He understands fundraising better than just about anybody else out there. But I will say this. If I was a fan of any other school and John Swafford was retiring, which he will do, as we know, at some point here in the next few years, the number one candidate has to be Wit Babcock. That's something that we've talked about in the office. I think, Will, I think that was your idea first
1: among the three of us is that uh, when that ACC commissioner job does come open, it would not shock any of us if Witt is, is on the short list of that group, right?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I got that idea from Chris. I think he thought oh, well, about there you that go. before. I'm <laughs> pretty sure I got it from Bill Roth. <laughs> oh, 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 geez, it all, it all comes We're back to Bill. So my, you know, I, I've interviewed Witt a couple of times, I think, since he started here. And uh, the the thing about Wit is that when you see Wit and you talk to Wit, you're not seeing and talking to a different person that talks to the press or the public. Yeah. He's a very genuine guy. He's very approachable um, you know, he, he talks to you as if he's known you for a while, yeah. you know, and he's pretty sharp dude. He knows who everybody is, you know? So, uh, he remembered my name, Yeah, which is so, surprising. <laughs> he's just very approachable and easy to talk to. And I, and I remember one of my, you know, it's not a great story. But one of my favorite wit stories is when, when Justin Fuente was hired. And I remember we all got taken back to a room. There were probably six of us and we got to interview Justin, you know, outside of the press conference setting. And, and wit sat in on that and, uh, when it was over and everybody was leaving the room, I said to Wit, uh, I said, I didn't get a chance to ask Fuente about locker room dances. And, and Wit laughed and he leaned over and he said, I already asked him about that. He said, he's not going to do that. That's
0: funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, it was before a basketball game in November of 2015. It was after Beamer retired or announced his retirement, but before Tech hired Witt. And I, I was down by the tunnel, in the tunnel, in Castle Coliseum, and which asked me, so what do you think about the coaching search? So we talked about it for like five minutes. I won't go into any details, but, but he actually asked me what I thought about it. And, uh, you know, so I talked about a couple of candidates and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, he's just a real approachable guy. We went to a Blacksburg Sports Club dinner uh, last year. And Witt came right up to us, and we just started talking about the new baseball stadium, and whether they would charge admission anytime in the future, and things like that. And He's sure just, enough, they're charging
1: for conference yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. So those uh, are
2: hard jobs. Being an AD now is really hard. Yeah. In fact, it's it's not a good job. How much of it is politics at this point? Because I feel like
3: you Phil former will tell you a lot of it is politics.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the managing the relationship, not just between you know people around the athletic department but coaches managing
2: relationships between coaches managing relationships with donors i mean it's got to be difficult yeah i mean there's not you'd be hard-pressed to find better administrators and dedicated ad's than john curry and jeff long yeah. and both guys just got fired and jeff long got fired because his football team didn't win enough and john curry and that was at uh, at arkansas and and for those that don't know jeff was here at virginia tech under jim weaver became the ad at pitt did a good job there went to Arkansas and for the most part did well except didn't win enough in football and Tony was a good coach that was a good hire on it paper was. you know and and so now all of a sudden ADs are being judged by does your football team win enough and there's a lot more to being an AD than does your football team win enough and it, it's really hard there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on these guys the the the, the pressure to win and and what you've seen and this is what's scary a lot of these universities put their big donors on their athletic boards and they're fans, and all they want to do is win. And they're, they're millionaires, they're multimillionaires, and they want to win, 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 and they've always had, it, they've always had things their way because they can buy whatever they want. And, and so you, you see schools, well, for example, what happened at Baylor, you get totally, to use a Coach Beamer phrase, you get totally out of whack because <laughs> you've got fans with deep pockets making decisions. And that is a guaranteed recipe for disaster. And we're, yeah. not, we're not there at Tech in any stretch of the imagination. But being an AD now in this landscape is really, really hard because you're answering to some very deep-pocketed people who really want to just win at all costs. And, they, and everyone has facilities. Everyone has money. Yeah. Someone's finishing sixth in the SEC West. It's going to happen. Every year someone's finishing sixth. And so who is sixth? Well, it's probably not going to be Alabama. But is it Auburn? Is it LSU? Is it Arkansas? Is it Texas A&M? Just to is it think, Ole
1: Miss? they can't handle that. Just to think, Gus Malzahn probably six to eight weeks ago was on the hot seat. Auburn fans wanted him fired, and the donors wanted him fired, and now he's you know j- just missed the playoff. I mean, it, it's it's crazy the volatility amongst those SEC schools, especially schools like a Texas A&M or an Arkansas. I know Arkansas fans were maybe a little delusional that they were going to hire Gus Malzahn away from Auburn after he just won 10, 11 games. So, yeah, you're right. That kind of donor dynamic, especially amongst those donors who have
0: the have the big money, it's hard to manage those people. You look at uh, Florida State, and the, their booster club is called Seminole Boosters, Inc. <laughs> Incorporated. They have a president um, and CEO that, that's, that's hilarious. Of their booster club. And it's been reported by legitimate news sources that the president and CEO of Seminole Boosters Inc. did not get along with Jimbo Fisher.
1: The only person that Jimbo got along with at that university was the university president. That, yeah. The AD didn't like him, or he, he didn't get along with them. He didn't get along with the Boosters president, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the managing that kind of relationship as well. But at Virginia Tech, Witt has obviously been able to manage the big donors that Tech
2: does have and i think we've got a good perspective here i think our donors our donors care our all hokies you care about the school and you also understand that Witt's a pretty smart guy. It doesn't need a lot of direction right and that's what makes wit amazing and that's that's why i go back to the whole fit that's where I, that's what we're coming back to is 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 wit gets that i don't know that phil fulmer would be a fit at any other school as an ad but Going to I'm not a, sure he's going to be a fit there. Yeah, but they're going to give him a go. And, and I think at the end of the day, as crazy and wild as that coaching search was, it looks like they've hired a great great fit at, at Tennessee. You're not Although going to a guy he is a Bama resume. guy.
0: The, 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 the only problem with that, I, I agree he's a good fit, but Tennessee hates Alabama. That's he the, has a couple of losing He's a Bama seasons. guy. Yeah, he becomes easier to let go because he's uh, – it's, it's like, well, he'd normally get another season if he was from somewhere else, but – Oh, all of a sudden, it's a bad thing that he's from Alabama it's because not, he had two losing seasons, right?
1: He's not T. Martin, where we you know T. Martin might have a little bit more leeway amongst those amongst that fan base. There's a few more topics I to want to hit on before we wrap up this podcast. Um, and, and Will and Chris, this will be mainly for you guys. Jordan McFadden, really quick, decommits from Tech. I think we kind of all expected this. How important is it for Tech to get another offensive line yeah, in this I think, class? I think
0: it's pretty important. You know, offensive line recruiting is kind of a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get. You don't know how guys are going to develop. Uh, so you want to have a certain number of offensive linemen in your recruiting classes and in your program. Uh, So, yeah, they need to sign another offensive lineman. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that the the day McFadden committed is the day Justin Fuente stood in front of the media and said, we expect all our committed prospects to sign on (laughs) December 20th. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I I want to open it back up to everyone. Obviously, Trayvon McMillan, that was the news that we got uh, this week or last week at the end uh trevor mcmillan is graduating he is leaving virginia tech he's transferring we do not know where yet um how big of an impact is that and and how does virginia tech move
0: on without trevor i don't think it's a particularly big impact they had a better run game the last two games when he wasn't in there yeah i I think uh you know this isn't a big hitting offense as far as big plays go you you need running backs who are going to grind you out four or five yards and which is what you know, uh, Deshaun McLeese has been doing in recent weeks. Jalen Holston has been doing in recent weeks, and Stephen Peoples did uh, against UVA. Trayvon's a home run hitter. He's not a particularly good in between the tackles runner. Uh, and the thing is, though, his longest run of the year was 23 yards, same yeah. as Deshaun McLeese. So you kind of he kinda, he's a home run hitter, but he's he wasn't hitting home, home runs. He was Chris it, Davis, it, right, <laughs> for the Baltimore it, Orioles, it, right? <laughs> it, 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 yeah, so it's like. Uh, It'd be like if you know the Yankees just 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 traded for John Carlos Stanton if he came out this year and hit two twenty five
1: and fifteen homers, fifteen,
0: 15 homers, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, you know those fifteen homers. I'm sure would be moonshots, but you're paying him to hit home runs, and and that's what we needed out of Trayvon, and, and Tech tech wasn't getting getting them, so. I, there's a I honestly think tech's running game was better without him and I'm not saying he's a bad back or anything like that far from it he just wasn't the right fit at this point and I think it's better for both parties I think it'll be better for trayvon too
1: Bill you obviously saw trayvon's breakout season in 2015 where he burst on the scene seemed like he didn't get a good the amount of carries he should have gotten in the first few games broke out for a thousand yards ran for seven touchdowns. How disappointing is it to see Trayvon never really kind of hit that mark again? You know him and
2: McKenzie both. Sean McKenzie, yeah. yeah. You know because I thought Marshawn we had that. Williams was another Marshawn, one who ran really well. Yeah, I just thought we we've had that we got lucky. We had that run where we had what three years in a row we had a tailback leave early for the NFL, mm-hmm. and, and and everyone said, well, we stopped recruiting tailbacks. Well, no, we didn't. We 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 signed some good ones, but for whatever reason, they didn't pan out. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I'd love to see Buzz with a big man. I'd love to see this Tech football offense with Fuente with legit. Home run hitting running back. Come and on like, down, Devin Ford. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, David Wilson. <laughs> I mean, because it it, it may, you can. I don't want to say the Hokies are easy to defend. That's not what I'm saying. But imagine how much harder they'd be to defend if you had a powerful running game and a and a home run hitter at tailback like Wilson was. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Yeah. Because right now there's just not enough, and we're talking about the ball or a guy game like a Ryan good. Williams. Yeah, little sweetness. <laughs> <laughs> because I. You just wonder, like, this Oklahoma State game, do do the Hokies, even if the defense plays its best game of the year, do they have enough firepower to score against a team that has seen great offenses every week since the beginning of the season? That's my question about this game.
1: Dude, I I wanted to get into the camp World Bowl, which obviously Tech is playing. Oklahoma State, Bill, when you look at this game, what really stands out in this game, other than maybe the fact that Tech needs to score some points?
2: (laughs) You know, it's... It's a great matchup in terms of they're amazing offensively, but they've only played two top 50 defenses all year TCU and Texas. Uh, now, is that because everybody in the Big 12 has such great offensive numbers that the stats are skewed? I don't know. But the Hokies have got to make it a. Uh, they've got to junk it up a little bit. Yeah. They can't. Hokies aren't going to win this game 40 to 35. I think everyone knows that. Uh, they're going to have to score some points, and the defense is going to have to play great. I hope there's a monsoon.
0: That we need like a two thousand seven <laughs> Boston College game. There's a bunch of fumbles and things like that and uh you know, I, I, I it's gonna be a difficult game for Virginia Tech to win and then they've gotta use the West Virginia formula where they were outgained by a decent amount of yards, but they crushed West Virginia when it came to field position and that that's what it'll take. And you know, they got a turnover
2: off Greer. Um and that's what it would
0: take to to beat Oklahoma
2: State, I think. Yeah, Texas did a good job. Chris and I were talking about it. At the beginning of the year I didn't think Texas defense was that good Maryland gashed them early 60 some points right and yeah. ran the ball all over them but when they played when they played Oklahoma State they were great on defense their linebackers were good now it was like 105 degrees in Austin and there's 105 thousand people in the stands I, you know, I get it it's a road game in the league and and they, they peaked but that's the blueprint how did Texas slow them down because the only other team that slowed them down was TCU and they
0: still scored they scored 31 points, points. yeah
2: yeah, yeah. So on a bad day, on a bad day, Oklahoma State's going to score thirty-five, and on a good day, they're going to put up seventy. So
1: like they did against, then they put up seventy on Pittsburgh earlier. Today? Yeah, they, yeah, or they, it was something. They had five hundred and eighteen
2: yards and and forty-nine points at halftime. <sighs> so, Man. You, but the stats are skewy. So you like you know, right now, Virginia Tech is going to win the time of possession in this game. Oklahoma State does not want the ball. Yeah,
1: because they want to score.
2: And they're then... going to. They're either going to score in two minutes or punt. <laughs> it's basically yeah, that's it. <laughs> So but so ordinarily you'd say well let's control the clock. That's not going to work here. Hoagies are going to have the ball 8 9 minutes a quarter. <laughs> but but they got to score touchdowns. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um
1: you have to make every drive
2: count when you're milking the it's clock. It's kind of the opposite of of Georgia Tech, right? Right, right. Like Georgia Tech's going to eat the clock. You're only going to get the ball 11 times or 12 times for the game. Yeah. Hokies going to
0: have a bunch of possessions. Somebody made a joke on our uh, message boards yesterday that we really need to return both of our punts for touchdowns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you're wrong.
1: Let's go ahead and wrap up this podcast. I want to ask one quick question. Obviously, Tech Men's Basketball plays Kentucky this weekend at 2 p.m. in Rupp Arena. Um, Assuming that's going to be a pretty good crowd. It will be one of the biggest games that Kentucky's played all season. Uh, Bill, thoughts on that game
2: really quick. If there was ever a year to beat UK, this is it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I'd, is not the '96 Kentucky Wildcats. This isn't that. ESPN's, they're good,
1: but ESPN's
0: predictor actually yeah. has Tech 51.5 percent chance of winning the game, which I think is. I was silly. I was floored when their basketball uh, or PPI said yeah, that Tech was favored. But if you look at Kentucky's schedule, you know they're beating teams. They beat Harvard by nine. You know they, they, they've got a couple other wins that were close against, you know, mid-major type type teams. That you're like, man, this Kentucky team just isn't. Isn't hit firing on all cylinders yet. Now they're a talented team, obviously, because you know we know how you know Calipari recruits every year, and I'm sure they'll be peaking in mid February to early March. Uh, but you know it's mid December now, so uh, Tech does have a chance to win this game.
1: Will, do you feel as relatively confident as as Bill and, and Chris?
3: I don't think any of us have any idea what's going to happen. I think you got two teams getting ready to Bit play each suit. other, and they don't really know. I don't. I don't think either team really knows what they have yet. You know, and, and I think it's pretty clear for virginia tech make your shots yeah you know, if they go out there and, and go you know four of 16 from free three-point range in the first half this it's probably isn't going to go well if they go out there and they go eight of 14 from three-point range in the first half now you got a ball game
1: for virginia tech i feel like it's a lot like the nba it's a make or miss league if you make your shots you're going to win if you miss your shots you're going to lose and you like you mentioned tech's got to start out hot they've got to get off to a good start and they've got to continue to be able to, to be efficient on the offensive end. they got to not turn it over. Because we all know Kentucky, they've got great athletes. They've got probably eight five-star, five-star recruits. If anybody can score and score quick, it's Kentucky.
3: A, a bad offensive possession by Virginia Tech will result in points at the other end.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Bill, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic having you here. We're definitely going to have you back. I know you don't maybe – the office isn't as nice as maybe as you said it was at the, at the opening – but thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And and keep doing good work over in the tech comm department because they need you. Thank you, guys. All right. For, for all of us here at the podcast, for Bill, for Chris, and for Will, I'm Ricky the Blue. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.